Chapter Fifteen of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume Four, by Eugène Sue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The boats. During the night, the appearance of the isle inhabited by the Martial family was very gloomy. But by the bright light of day, nothing could be more smiling than this accursed spot. Bordered by willows and poplars, almost entirely covered with thick grass, in which wound several paths of yellow sand the islet included a kitchen garden and a good number of fruit trees in the midst of the orchard was to be seen the hovel with the thatched roof into which martial had expressed his intention to retire with francois and amandine on this side the isle terminated at its point by a kind of stockade formed of large piles driven in to prevent the soil from wearing away in front of the house and almost touching the landing-place was a small arbour of green trellis-work intended to support in summer-time the creeping shoots of the young vines and hops a cradle of verdure beneath which were arranged tables for the visitors at one end of the house painted white and covered with tiles a wood-house with a loft over it formed at the angle a small wing much lower than the main body of the building almost precisely over this wing there appeared a window with the shutters covered with iron plates and strengthened without by two transverse iron bars attached to the wall by strong clamps three boats were undulating in the water fastened to posts at the landing-place seated in one of these boats nicolas was making sure that the valve he had introduced performed its part properly standing on a bench at the mouth of the arbour calabash with her hands placed over her eyes so as to shade away the sun was looking out in the direction in which madame seraphin and fleur de marie were to come to reach the isle i don't see any one yet old or young said calabash getting off the bench and speaking to nicolas it will be just as it was yesterday we may as well wait for the king of prussia if these women do not come in half an hour we can't wait any longer bras rouge's dodge is much better and he'll be waiting for us the diamond matcher is to be at his place in the champs elysees at five o'clock we ought to be there before her the chouette said so this morning you are right replied nicolas leaving the boat may thunder smite the old devil's skin who has given us all the trouble for nothing the valve works capitally it appears we shall only have one instead of two jobs besides bras rouge and barbillon will want us they can do nothing by their two selves true again for whilst the job is doing bras rouge must keep watch outside the cabaret and barbillon is not strong enough to drag the matcher into the cellar for the old will fight for it i know didn't the chouette say that for a joke she had got the schoolmaster at school in the cellar not in this one in another much deeper and which is filled with water at spring-tides how the schoolmaster must rage and foam there in the cellar they're all alone and blind too that is no matter for if he saw as clear as ever he could see nothing there the cellar is as dark as an oven still when he has done singing all the songs he knows to pass away the time his days must hang precious heavy on his hands the chouette says that he amuses himself with rat-hunting and that the cellar is full of game i say nicolas talking of certain persons who must be tired and fume and fret remarked calabash with a savage smile and pointing to the window fastened up with the iron plates there is one there who must be ready to devour his own flesh and blood bah he's asleep since the morning he hasn't stirred and his dog is silent perhaps he has strangled him for food for two days they must both be desperate hungry and thirsty up there together that is their affair 
Martial may still last a long time in this way if it amuses him. When it is done, why, we shall say he died of his complaint, and there'll be an end of that affair. Do you think so? Of course I do. As mother went to Asnières this morning, she met Père Ferraud, the fisherman, and as he was very much astonished at not having seen his friend Martial for the last two days, mother told him that Martial was confined to his bed and was so ill that his life was despaired of daddy ferraud swallowed all like so much honey he'll tell everybody else and when the thing's done and over why it'll all seem natural enough yes but he won't die directly this way is a tedious one what else is to be done there was no way of doing otherwise that devil of a martial when he's put up is as full of mischief as the old one himself and as strong as a bull particularly when he suspects anything it is dangerous to approach him but now his door is well nailed up on the outside what can he do his window is strongly fastened with iron too why he might have driven out the bars by cutting away the plaster with his knife and he would have done it only i got up the ladder and chopped at his fingers with the bill hook every time he tried to go to work what a pleasant watch said the ruffian with a chuckle it must have been vastly amusing why it was to give you time to come with the iron plates you went to get from Père Micou what a rage the dear brother must have been in he ground his teeth like a lunatic two or three times he tried to drive me away from the iron bars with his stick but then as he had only one hand at liberty he could not work and release the iron bars which was what he was trying at fortunately there's no fireplace in his room and the door is solid and his hands finely cut if not he would work his way through the floor what through those heavy beams no no there's no chance of his escaping the shutters are covered with iron plates and strengthened with two bars of iron the door is nailed up outside with large boat nails three inches long his coffin is more solid than if it were made of oak and lead i say though when la louve comes out of prison and makes her way here to see her man as she calls him well we shall say look for him by the way do you know that if mother had not shut up those young rips of children they would have gnawed their ways through the door like young rats to free martial that little vagabond francois is quite furious since he suspects we have packed away his tall brother but you know they mustn't be left in the room upstairs whilst we leave the island the window is not barred and they have only to drop down outside at this moment the attention of nicolas and calabash was attracted by the sound of cries and sobs which came from the house they saw the door of the ground floor which had been open until then close violently and a minute afterwards the pale and sinister countenance of mere martial appeared through the bars of the kitchen window with her long lean arm the culprit's widow made a sign to her children to come to her there's a row i know i'll bet that it is francois who's giving himself some airs again said nicolas that beggar martial but for him this young scamp would be by himself you keep a good lookout and if you see the two women coming give me a call whilst calabash again mounted the bench and looked out for the arrival of seraphin and the goualeuse nicolas entered the house little amandine was on her knees in the centre of the kitchen sobbing and asking pardon for her brother francois enraged and threatened the lad as constant one of the angles of the apartment had nicolas hatchet in his hand and appeared determined this time to offer the most desperate resistance to his mother's wishes impassive as usual 
showing nicolas the cellar the widow made a sign to her son to shut francois up there i will never be shut up there cried the boy in a determined tone you want to make us die of hunger like brother martial the widow looked at nicolas with an impatient air as if to reproach him for not instantly executing her commands as with another imperious gesture she pointed to francois seeing his brother advance towards him the young boy brandished the axe with a desperate air and cried if you try to shut me up there whether it is mother brother or calabash so much the worse i shall strike and the hatchet cuts nicolas felt as the widow did the pressing necessity there was to prevent the two children from going to martial's succour whilst the house was left to itself as well as to put them out of the way of seeing the scenes which were about to pass for their window looked on to the river in which they were about to drown fleur de marie but nicolas was as cowardly as he was ferocious and afraid of receiving a blow from the dangerous hatchet with which his young brother was armed hesitated to approach him the widow angry at his hesitation pushed him towards francois but nicolas again retreating exclaimed but mother if he cuts me you know i want all my arms and fingers at this time and i feel still the thump that brute martial gave me the widow shrugged her shoulders and advanced towards francois don't come near me mother shrieked the boy in a fury or you'll pay dear for all the beatings you have given me in amandine let him shut us up don't strike mother cried amandine in fear at this moment nicolas saw upon a chair a large blanket which he used to wrap his booty in at times and taking hold of it and partly unfolding it he threw it completely over francois's head who in spite of his efforts finding himself entangled under its folds could not make use of his weapon nicolas then seized hold of him and with his mother's help carried him into the cellar amandine had continued kneeling in the centre of the kitchen and as soon as she saw her brother overcome she sprang up and in spite of her fright went to join him in the dark hole the door was then double locked on the brother and sister it will still be that infernal martial's fault if these children behave in this outrageous manner to us said nicolas nothing has been heard in his room since this morning said the widow with a pensive air and she shuddered nothing that's a sign mother that you were right to say to pere ferro the fisherman at asnières that martial had been so dangerously ill as to be confined to his bed for the last two days for now when all is known it will not astonish anybody after a moment's silence as and if she wished to escape a painful thought the widow replied suddenly didn't the chouette come here whilst i was at asnières yes mother why didn't she stay and accompany us to bras rouges i mistrust her bah you mistrust everybody mother you are always fancying they are going to play you some trick to-day it is the chouette yesterday it was bras rouge bras rouge is at liberty my son is at toulon yet they committed the same robbery you are always saying this bras rouge escaped because he is as cunning as a fox that's it the chouette did not stay because she had an appointment at two o'clock near the observatory with the tall man in black at whose desire she has carried off this young country girl by the help of the schoolmaster and tortillard and barbillon drove the hackney coach which the tall man in black had hired for the job so how mother do you suppose the chouette would inform against us when she tells us the jobs she has in hand and we do not tell her ours for she knows nothing of this drowning job that is to come off directly be easy mother wolves don't eat each other and this will be a good day's work and when i recollect too 
that the jewel-matcher has often about her twenty to thirty thousand francs worth of diamonds in her bag and that in less than two hours we shall have her in bras rouge's cellar thirty thousand francs worth of diamonds mother think of that and whilst we lay hands on this woman bras rouge is to remain outside the cabaret inquired the widow with an air of suspicion well and where would you have him i should like to know if any one comes to his house mustn't he be outside the door to answer them and prevent them from entering the place whilst we are doing our job nicolas nicolas cried calabash at this moment from outside here come the two women quick quick mother your shawl i will land you on the other side and that will be so much done said nicolas the widow had replaced her morning headdress with a high black cap in which she now made her appearance at the instigation of nicolas she wrapped herself in a large plaid shawl with grey and white checks and after having carefully closed and secured the kitchen door she placed the key behind one of the window-shutters on the ground floor and followed her son who was hastily pursuing his way to the landing-place almost involuntarily as she quitted the island she cast a long and meditative look at martial's window and the train of thought to which its firmly nailed and iron-bound exterior gave rise seemed to judge by their effect to be of a very mingled and complicated character for she knitted her brows pursed her lips and then after a sudden convulsive shudder she murmured in a low hesitating voice it is his own fault it is his own fault nicolas do you see them just down there along the path a country girl and an old woman exclaimed calabash pointing to the other side of the river where madame seraphin and fleur-de-marie were descending a narrow winding path which passed by a high bank on the top of which were the lime-kilns let us wait for the signal don't let us spoil the job by too much haste said nicolas what are you blind don't you recognize the stout woman who came the day before yesterday look at her orange shawl and the little country girl what a hurry she seems in she's a good little thing i know and it's plain she has no idea of what is going to happen to her or she wouldn't hasten on that pace i'm thinking yes i recollect the stout woman now it's all right then all right although they are so much behind the time i had almost given up the job as bad but let us quite understand the thing calabash i shall take the old woman and the young girl in the boat with a valve to it you will follow me close on stern to stern and mind and row steadily so that with one spring i may jump from one boat to the other as soon as i have opened the pipe and the water begins to sink the boat don't be afraid about me it is not the first time i have pulled a boat is it i am not afraid of being drowned you know i can swim but if i did not jump well into the other boat why the women in their struggles against drowning might catch hold of me and much obliged to you but i have no fancy for a bath with the two ladies the old woman waves her handkerchief said calabash there they are on the bank come come along mother let's push off said nicolas unmooring come you into the boat with the valve then the two women will not have any fear and you calabash jump into t'other and use your arms my girl and pull a good one ah by the way take the boat-hook and put it beside you it is as sharp as a lance and it may be useful added the ruffian as he placed beside calabash in the boat a long hook with a sharp iron point a few moments and the two boats one rowed by nicolas and the other by calabash reached the shore where for some moments madame seraphin and fleur-de-marie had been waiting 
whilst nicolas was fastening his boat to a post on the bank madame seraphin approached him and said in a low and rapid tone say that madame georges is waiting for us at the island you understand and then in a louder voice she added we are rather late my lad yes my good lady madame georges has been asking for you several times you see my dear young lady madame georges is waiting for us said madame seraphin turning to fleur de marie who in spite of her confidence had felt considerable repugnance at the sight of the sinister countenances of calabash nicolas and the widow but the mention of madame georges reassured her and she replied i am just as impatient to see madame georges fortunately it is not a long way across how delighted the dear lady will be said madame seraphin then addressing nicolas now then my lad bring your boat a little closer that we may get in adding in an undertone the girl must be drowned mind if she comes up thrust her back again into the water all right ma'am and don't be alarmed yourself but when i make you the signal give me your hand she'll then pass under all alone for everything's ready and you have nothing to fear replied nicolas in a similar tone and then with savage brutality unmoved by fleur de marie's youth and beauty he put his hand out to her the young girl leaned lightly on him and entered the boat now you my good lady said nicolas to madame seraphin offering her his hand in turn was it presentiment or mistrust or only fear that she could not spring quickly enough out of the little bark in which nicolas and the goualeuse were that made jacques ferrand's housekeeper say to nicolas shrinking back no i'll go in the boat with mademoiselle and she took her seat by calabash just as you please said nicolas exchanging an expressive look with his sister as with a vigorous thrust with his oar he drove his boat from the bank his sister did the same directly madame seraphin was seated beside her standing looking fixedly on the bank indifferent to the scene the widow pensive and absorbed fixed her look obstinately on martial's window which was discernible from the landing-place through the poplars during this time the two boats in the first of which were nicolas and fleur de marie and in the other calabash and madame seraphin left the bank slowly End of chapter 15 Read by Céline Major